The following message is from Temple Bible Church. For more information about the church and its ministries, visit www.templebiblechurch.org. Good evening to you. My name is Chase, and I'm one of the pastors here, and I know others have done so before, but I really want to wish you a Merry Christmas. I want to say thanks for being here with us and giving us some of your Christmas Eve. And tonight, we're going to look like we've been looking all month at one of the accounts of the Christmas story. And kind of about a month ago, we looked at how in this story, God invited a man named uh, Zecharias and his wife Elizabeth into the Christmas story through the son that they would have, John the Baptist, and then had Joseph and Mary through a census that was given, they were invited through Caesar by God to come to Bethlehem like the prophets said they would. And then shepherds were invited by angels to come to Bethlehem, and tonight we'll look at how wise men, several months after Christ was born, were invited to see this Christ child, but before we look at the word, I want to tell you about a man that you've probably never heard of. His name was Noel Regney. Noel Regney was born in 1922 in Strasbourg, France, about three miles west of the Rhine River on the border with Germany. And in 1939, 1940, when the German forces swept across the border of France, Noel Regni was captured and conscripted into the German army, and he became part of the French underground. He was wounded during the war, but he survived. When the war was over, he'd made friends with some guys who were part of the United States Army, and he moved to the States. He moved to New York City, met a lady named Gloria Shane, and they began to compose music together and got married. Now, for about 15 years, over and over and over again, he would compose the music and she would compose the lyrics. But in 1962... A producer said, we want y'all to write a Christmas song, but Gloria, we want you to write the music, and Noel, we want you to write the lyrics. And they were asked to do this in August of 1962, but neither of them could get inspired to write a Christmas song in the fall of 1962 because America was in the middle of the Cuban Missile Crisis. Many people believed that Russia had missiles 90 miles from the U.S. coast, and there was really no hope or peace or joy or love to go around. There was fear and there was despair. And so Noel decided to take a walk through New York City and right near Times Square that you see on the screen in October of 1962, as he was walking, he saw a couple of mothers pushing their babies. And for some reason on that day, he thought about that baby born so long ago in Bethlehem and he began to think about angels and shepherds and stars and wise men. And so he started humming to himself, and he wrote down these words, said, the night wind to the little lamb, do you see what I see? Way up in the sky, little lamb, do you see what I see? A star, a star dancing in the night with a tail as big as a kite. And so this beloved Christmas carol came to be as Noel Regney and his wife invited their nation to see the star again, to see what the wise men saw. And so tonight, as we look in the Gospel of Matthew and read the first 12 verses of Matthew chapter 2, here's what we are going to do. We're going to be invited to see the star as the wise men did, and we're going to be invited 
to ask questions as the wise men did and we'll be invited to answers and we'll be invited to worship this baby born in Bethlehem who was born to die and rise again. So let's read Matthew chapter two, one through 12 and then pray together and talk about it briefly. Now after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of Herod the king, behold, Wise men from the east came to Jerusalem saying, where is he who has been born king of the Jews? For we saw his star when it rose and have come to worship him. When Herod the king heard this, he was troubled and all Jerusalem with him. And assembling all the chief priests and scribes of the people, he inquired of them where the Christ was to be born. And they told him in Bethlehem of Judea, for so it is written by the prophet. And you, O Bethlehem, in the land of Judah are by no means least among the rulers of Judah, for from you shall come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. Then Herod summoned the wise men secretly and ascertained from them what time the star had appeared. He sent them to Bethlehem saying, go and search diligently for the child And when you have found him, bring me word that I too may come and worship him. And listening to the king, they went on their way. And behold, the star that they had seen when it rose went before them until it came to rest over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they rejoiced exceedingly with great joy. And going into the house, they saw the child with Mary, his mother, and they fell down and worshiped him. Then opening their treasures, they offered him gifts, gold and frankincense and myrrh. And being warned in a dream not to return to Herod, they departed to their own country by another way. God, we thank you for this old, old story that we tell again and again because it's the story that changed the world. We thank you, God, that Jesus came into this world as a baby and he came to live and to die and to rise from the dead. And this baby born in Bethlehem now changes everything. So God, let us see with fresh eyes this story that continues to change the world so many years later. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Well, these, these wise men, they're invited to see this star and they come to Jerusalem And they come to Herod, and they want to know where the king of the Jews is, and they come as answers to prophecy. See, 700 years before Jesus came to earth as a baby, the prophet Isaiah had written that a virgin would conceive and give birth to a son. Later, he said his name was be, would be called Emmanuel, or God with us. About the same time Isaiah was writing, a guy named Micah wrote in about 750 to 700 B.C., and he said, in Bethlehem of Judea, which Matthew quotes here, a ruler will come up to shepherd my people Israel. And these are two of over 300 prophecies written about Jesus Christ, many of them written about the place that he would be born. Well, what do these prophecies tell us? I don't mean the, the individual prophecies, because if we tried to read all 300 of them, we would be here longer than you want to be. But I think if we look at them collectively, that over and over and over we see these things fulfilled, they tell us at least a couple of things. And one is that God 
had a purpose that he wanted to work out in humanity through this baby born in Bethlehem. And because you and I are part of humanity, I think that also means that God had a plan for you and me that he wanted to work out in this baby born in Bethlehem. And so tonight, hopefully we would see like the wise men do, these stars that point us to the Messiah, that the word would be like a star shining brightly. Well, what is it that the wise men saw? They thought that they saw a star, but what history tells us is that God was was working out how to lead them to Bethlehem long before they existed. And Rick Erickson, one of our elders, did a presentation last week. You would do well to see next year. It's called The Star of Bethlehem, and it it describes, like the British theologian N.T. Wright describes, that this was actually the conjunction of two planets, and, and that's what the wise men probably initially saw, and then a planet and a star lining up, so it just looked like a, a very bright star, and then more stars lining up, and over the course of several months, when they needed to travel, the star would be there and it directed them right to where these prophets had said the Christ would be born. And the pre-incarnate Christ who formed these very planets and stars put them in place so they would be led to him as a baby. See, the, the star is not the point of the story. The star is just a means to an end. The star is what leads the wise men to Jesus. And a lot of the things that we do at Christmas are really meant to be like a star. It is so good to get together with friends and family and have food and festivities and enjoy your time. It's good to look at Christmas lights. It is good to sing songs together. It is good to get presents. Boys and girls, is anybody here excited about getting presents? There's some hands going up. I am excited too. But see, all of these things, all of these things, and I think maybe especially the presents are meant to point us to this great gift that was given that God so loved the world that he gave his son, sent him as a baby, so that whoever believes in him will not perish but will have eternal life. The star is meant to point us to the child. Have you stopped to remember what Christmas is all about? Have you ever even considered what Christmas is all about? Well, you might say, yeah, Chase, I I get that. You're you're religious and all of you people believe this, but Christmas is really just about family and getting together and seeing people you hadn't seen in a while and having a good time. But the truth is, there would be no trees. There would be no presents. There would be no songs written. There would be no festivities to stop the world if the Christ child hadn't come. He is the point of the story. That's where the scripture would lead us. But as we see Jesus in the scripture, we're also invited to ask questions. That's what the wise men did. They came to Herod and they said, where is he who has been born king of the Jews? We saw his star when it rose and we have come to worship him. It's a great question. Well, Herod is troubled We read in verse three, King Herod heard it. He was troubled in all Jerusalem with him. But then Herod asked a question just like the wise men. And if you look, if he hadn't been troubled, it's really just the same question. Look at verse four. Assembling all the chief priests and scribes, he inquired of them where the Christ would be born. If Herod's not troubled, the question's no problem at all. 
it, it would be like this. It would be like if, if a guy was in Toronto and he looked up in the night sky in Toronto and he looked to the south and he saw a constellation that just made a huge chicken biscuit. And he followed the constellation and he kept following it and kept following it and kept following it. And all of a sudden he gets to Temple, Texas and he goes to City Hall and goes to the mayor and says, I and my friends, we are here to find the Lord's chicken. The mayor goes, wait, I mean, he's got to be talking about Chick-fil-A. I wonder if he means the one on the north side or the one on the south side. Hey, go, go to the one on the south side, South 31st Street by the mall. There's all kinds of road construction, but we got a Christmas miracle this year, right? The day the biscuits are free, Azalea opens. It was not the miracle on 31st Street. It was the miracle on Azalea, right? Well, the question's fine. It's, it's a fine question, but it's how and why Herod is asking that's a problem, and it's how and why the wise men are asking that's not a problem, but it's really a very good thing. Herod is troubled because the Christ has been born. Well, Christ is this Greek rendering of the Hebrew word that, that would be Messiah, the Messiah of the Jews, the king who would come to bring salvation to the Jews, and Herod knew he was not the guy. He was a king put in place by Rome. The king who would be Messiah would come from David's line. Herod was not from David's line. He was actually of Idumean and Arab descent, so he couldn't have been the king they were looking for, and he knew it. But then also the, the prophecy would say that the king who would come would be a ruler who would shepherd God's people. And Herod didn't really care anything about the sheep who were known as the nation of Israel. He only cared about himself, and he's troubled because he wants to stay on the throne. So when you ask questions, I would just ask, do you ask questions like the wise man, or do you ask them like Herod? And if you get the answers, are you ready like the wise man to bow before the king, or are you going to do whatever it takes for you to stay on your throne. What sort of questions do you ask? Over 30 years of ministry, I've heard some very genuine inquiries about who Jesus is. But then sometimes I've just heard people scoffing and they put a question mark at the end. Because see, in, in our story, when we're invited to ask questions, we're also invited to seek answers. And that's what the wise men get. They get the answer that had been the answer for hundreds and hundreds of years. In Bethlehem of Judea, that's where the Messiah will be born. Said the shepherd boy to the mighty king, do you know what I know? A child, a child, shivers in the cold, let us bring him silver and gold. So the wise men go to this little baby when they get their answer. Now we know that there were more than three of them and we know they're probably of Babylonian descent, they probably came from Babylon, maybe they had even heard stories passed down through the generations going back to the time Israel was exiled in Babylon when Daniel and the three Hebrew children were there. And they get the answers and they follow where the evidence takes them. See, we don't know a lot about them, but we do know that they traveled many, many miles, hundreds of miles over a period of months, and we do know that they decide that the truth is really worth seeking. 
And what they say is, I'm going to go on a journey that's going to cost me. And I'm going to go on this journey and see where it leads me. Even if it leads me where I don't want to go, even if it leads me where I'm not expecting it to go, I'm on a journey to find the truth. And they follow where the answers take them. I, I spent part of my week just kind of watching attorneys, scientists, mathematicians, accountants, businessmen, businesswomen, educators, and all of them had one thing in common. They all decided to examine the claims of Jesus Christ. And many of them began to examine these claims thinking that Christianity would be disproven. They just said, I've got to know, surely this can't be true, but I'll follow where the answers take me. And one by one, as I listened, I heard these really, really intelligent people say, you know, as I examined the evidence, what I found is these claims were true, that Jesus did live and did die, and the evidence points to this reality that he rose from the dead. And he did that to bring salvation to all who would trust in him. There, there can be a sort of this kind of cynical way of going, well, Christianity's for people who who really can't think. But I'll tell you, as I looked around the the room this morning, I've seen teachers, I've seen business leaders, I've seen nurses, I've seen physicians, I've seen some really, really bright people. And throughout the history of the world, we see some really, really bright people who look at the evidence and go, oh no, this is where the answers lead. See, God honors the wise men's search, and I think he really honors anyone's search. I mean, not, not who comes to the story with this sort of cynical kind of, let me prove everyone wrong and myself right sort of way, but who really digs into the truth of what life is meant to be about and finds what the evidence suggests. See, it's not that the wise men's search is perfect. They don't end up at the right place initially. They end up in Jerusalem, not Bethlehem, but it doesn't matter that their search is not perfect. It doesn't matter that your search or my search not be perfect. They get to see the Messiah, and they come to realize that he is for them, and he's not just the king of Jews. He's the king of kings. He's for them And he is for us. And so just like they were invited to come and see and to ask questions and to get answers, they were invited to worship. And and so are we. The story goes on that the wise men go out of the king's palace and they see the star again. And where it leads them is to Bethlehem where Jesus is there with his mother Mary, and they rejoiced exceedingly. Verse 10 tells us when they saw the star, and then verse 11 says, going into the house, they saw the child with Mary his mother, and they fell down and worshiped him. Then opening their treasures, they offered him gifts, gold and frankincense and myrrh. Well, if he's just a king, why worship? And then if, if they're going to worship, what do their gifts have to do with their worship? Well, I think their gifts, again, point to this reality that Christ was coming. Isaiah, the guy who said that, that the Messiah would be born of a virgin, 
that he would be called Emmanuel, God with us, that the people who were walking in darkness, like Israel was walking in the darkness of Roman occupation, would see a great light. That same Isaiah said that multitudes of camels will come from afar, and they will see the glory of Israel, and they will bring gold and frankincense, and that's what happened on this night. See, the actions of the wise men just display really amazing faith, in my opinion. They believed in Christ before they saw him. They followed the star, but that's not all. They journeyed hundreds of miles when the leaders of Israel wouldn't journey three or four. They believed when they saw him as an infant and they worshiped. Jesus hadn't healed the sick. Jesus hadn't raised the dead. Jesus hadn't turned water into wine. Jesus hadn't yet taught, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. And however you want to be treated, treat others the same way. And still, they saw this vulnerable and weak baby having every need met by his mother. And when they saw him, they believed and they fell down and they worshiped and they brought him gifts gold and frankincense and myrrh well why these gifts you know a lot has changed since the first century and we don't live in the middle east we live in central texas but in the middle east in the first century people tended to worship and idolize their health and their wealth and their prosperity and in the 21st century in central texas there's a tendency to worship and idolize wealth and health and prosperity. And the wise men bring him their treasures, they bring him their gold, they lay their wealth at his feet. Frankincense was a medicinal piece in the, in the first century. It was thought to have healing properties. And so the wise men come to Jesus and they give him this gift, I, I lay my health at your feet. And then they give him myrrh, which was used to anoint kings and priests. And they say, I, I give this to you. See, N.T. Wright says this. He says, here even when Jesus is apparently an unknown baby to the empire. There's a signal of what is to come. The gifts that these wise men bring were things that people in the ancient world would think of as appropriate presents to give to a king or even to the gods. Well, Herod tries to squelch their plan, but it will not work. And for thousands of years, God has been revealing himself to people. And for thousands of years, the forces of evil have tried to squelch what this baby born in Bethlehem came to do, to conquer sin and death and to give life. And the forces of evil cannot overcome this light that's shining in the darkness. See, the child, the child, sleeping in the night, he brings us goodness and light. At, at Christmas, we embrace these themes of hope and joy and love and peace. We have hope that the king who descended as a baby will one day return to take his people home. We're comforted with the peace that God sent his son to reconcile us to himself. And the grace that this baby brought to save us is the grace that can keep us. 
there's this joy that we have of relationships in Christ, family that we love, friends that we love. And there's this joy that no matter what this year has looked like, a new beginning is right around the corner. And then we're confronted. We're confronted by the love of God that just will not let us go. That's what this baby brought to bring. Well, the wise men saw the star. The wise men asked questions. The wise men got answers and the wise men worshiped. And then the last verse in this section of Matthew chapter two tells us that the wise men were invited to a different way. See, they didn't return to Herod. They departed to their own country by another way. And I would, I would tell you that I don't just think the wise men left a different way. I think the wise men went away different because this baby Jesus born in Bethlehem changes everything. Matthew wrote his gospel to the Jews and his gospel is bookended with gifts. See, in Matthew chapter two, the baby gets gifts of gold and frankincense and myrrh. And a Gentile will not say that he was king of the Jews until Matthew 27, when Roman soldiers bring him gifts. They, they put a crown of thorns and press that on his head. And the next gift is a royal robe that they put on his torn back. And then as a throne, they give him a cross. And one of them says, surely this was the son of God. But there's, there's one more gift given to this baby born in Bethlehem. In Matthew 28, after Jesus is risen from the dead, his disciples see him and he tells them about a gift that the father has given to him. He says, all authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. And the baby born in Bethlehem gives a commission to his people to make disciples of the nations. He wasn't just the star of the Christmas story. He was the true light shining in the darkness and the darkness could not overcome it. Well, Matthew's words about this Christ child have rung true for 2,000 years and they ring true today. Jesus is the King of the Jews. He is the Savior of the world. He is the Son of the living God. And so we're invited to come to him this Christmas. Whatever it takes and to bring him the best gift, the, the gift of our lives. We're gonna sing some Christmas carols together as we close. And as we do, we'll sing that song we referenced at the beginning, Do You Hear What I Hear? But toward the end, we'll sing, O Little Town of Bethlehem. And the last verse in O Little Town of Bethlehem has a prayer that maybe, maybe tonight would be your prayer. Maybe you would pray, O Holy Child of Bethlehem, descend to me, I pray. Cast out my sin and enter in. Be born in me today. See, the greatest Christmas gift that you could receive is new life in Jesus Christ, and it is offered to all who believe. Could I pray for us? God, we thank you for the Christ child. We thank you, Lord, that though the world is still dark, the light of Christ shines brightly in a way that the darkness has not overcome. There are men and women and 
boys and girls in this room who have walked through darkness and difficulty and pain this year. And yet the light of Christ shines brightly with hope and peace and joy and love for all who would put their trust in him. So may we celebrate his birth tonight as we sing and may we celebrate it as we go away to eat and enjoy our families and enjoy the gifts set before us. And may they all point us to him, the baby born in Bethlehem who is the light of the world. In Jesus' name. Amen.